You are now listening to the Nick State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Nick State of Mind podcast. Chip Murphy's here, and I'm Matt Castillo, so we have a lot to discuss on the show today, especially with this week. Um, yeah, last week we talked about the firing of Jeff Hornacek. The day that we did the podcast was the day that he was fired. Uh, we talked about several names that have already been mentioned with uh, the Knicks head coaching position. So now we know this week that Mark Jackson and Mike Woodson are going to interview tomorrow uh, for the head coaching job. So we're going to break that up in two different segments. Um, We'll start off with Mike Woodson. And Woodson, I remember when we talked about the uh, the possibility of firing Hornacek before the season ended, and we were giving our guys that we would like to see hired uh, by the Knicks. And one thing that I've, I've, I've constantly said, that number one, it doesn't matter who the head coach is because we have a, a, a dumb owner, and at some point the players just got to perform. And when they're not performing, you can't always blame it on the coach. And I, one thing I also said in that was Mike Woodson, to me, should have never been fired in the first place. Um, I also said this way back when we were talking about Phil Jackson still and how I felt like that was one of Phil Jackson's first mistakes was letting go of Mike Woodson. And Chip, I remember when I said I think the Knicks should have never fired Mike Woodson, you were a little objective about that. Now he's interviewing for this coaching job again. Um, what do you think about Mike Woodson returning as head coach for the Knicks? I don't think it's the right fit. Uh, I think that Mike Woodson with a veteran roster, with a Carmelo Anthony, with a J.R. Smith, with a Tyson Chandler, with a Raymond Felton, Jason Kidd, that's a roster that works for a guy like him, uh, for a guy who's 60 years old, you know. Um, I also am one of those people who thinks that the 2012-13 team that won 54 games, I think that was kind of an aberration, kind of an outlier season. I don't think the team was ever really that good. Um, I think they got a lot of lucky production out of some guys. Uh and I think that the Pacers really exposed them in the playoffs. And then they got even more exposed the year after that when they only won 37 games and didn't even make the playoffs. So, and Woodson got fired. Um, I just think that he's not the right coach for this team because, you know, everybody talks about how he coached that team from 2012-13 and how uh, uh, it was Mello's best year and he played Mello at the power forward. But then when it push came to shove in the playoffs and that whole small ball thing that worked for him all year long was working, he completely abandoned it and went old school 
and lost to the Pacers. I mean, they were first in three-pointers, uh, three-point attempts all year long. And in the, I was looking at the stats, Matt, from uh, their, you remember their playoff series in 2013 against the Pacers yes. where they just got, I was actually, I had forgotten. It was actually a, a six-game series. I thought it was a five-game series because they just got beaten so bad. Right. But it was a six-game series. You remember that game? When the Knicks scored 71 points, that was just humiliating. I tried but, uh, not to. Yeah, the Pacers just completely locked them up. And the Knicks were first in three-point attempts per game during that season. The Pacers were 15 and three, 15th in three-point attempts per game. In that series, the Pacers attempted, as a team, 143s. The Knicks attempted 136. Now... That's because Jason Kidd, for some reason, played 89 minutes during that series. Uh, Chris Copeland, who took uh, a lot of threes during the season, played just 69 minutes. Um, whereas Steve Novak barely even got off the bench. I It says here he played eight minutes, so he must have played just garbage time. Right. That's it. And, you know, that... He, like I said, he completely abandoned the three-point shot that was working for them that helped them win 54 games, and he gave big minutes to guys that didn't play well. You know, Iman Shumpert played 166 minutes and shot 38% from the field. Kenyon Martin played 133 minutes. Kenyon Martin sucked. <laughs> I mean, Kenyon Martin was awful. You remember how bad Kenyon Martin was when he was on the Knicks? I mean... Look, I I understand the appeal to some Knicks fans of Mark ja- Mark, uh, Mark Jackson, Mike Woodson, being that the last time the Knicks were good, he was the guy on the sideline. Right. But let's try and remember that he had the scoring champion on his team too. He had the sixth man of the year on his team too. He had arguably the best defensive big man in the NBA on his team too. This team he will need to help build back up from scratch. He has never done anything like that before. He's a 60-year-old guy. I mean, it's a totally different situation. Uh, We need to go in a totally different way, away from a guy like this, in my opinion. He is the total wrong move. Yeah, and and I'm not disagreeing with you because I think – you, you you stated you need you want a guy that has a history of developing players, and that makes a world of sense. It really does. But one thing that I stated about Mike Woodson is I don't think he should have been fired in the first place. That doesn't mean right now I think he's the right fit. I just want to make that clear. Now, I can make the case for Mike Woodson based off of his uh, past success you know, a guy that record continued to improve each year with the Hawks. Um, almost was the case with the Knicks, except that year after the 2013 season. And, you know, I don't look at the disappointing series against Indiana back in 2013 and really put that all on him. I know you shared some rotational stuff, um, but I, what I remember from that playoffs is J.R. Smith was the sixth man of the year. J.R. Smith got in trouble with um, in the first round against the Celtics that year. Uh, did, I, did who knows what he did? Did something stupid on the court? Got in trouble. Got suspended for a game. 
And it was like from that moment, J.R. Smith just completely lost his rhythm. Just sitting out one game, missing one game. He was never the same. And he, you know, I don't know if you had the numbers, Chip, or if you looked at those numbers. I'm curious to see uh, what J.R. Smith did in that series because he was such a big part of that team. That was a guy that was averaging 20 points a game and really struggled in that series. Um, so I, I can't really always put that on Woodson. And, you know, I, I saw his quote where he said that he would like to finish what he started and, you know, build off of the success that he did have. I feel like probably he feels like he didn't get a fair shot because Phil Jackson was in. And again, what we talk about all the time is when you have a new general manager or president of basketball operations, they want to bring in their own guy. Mike Woodson obviously wasn't the guy that Phil Jackson selected. So again, it's not so much that I think he is the right fit right now. I just make the case that I don't think he should have been fired in the first place. But the big question is right now, am I intrigued by Mike Woodson? I think he's a good coach, but I'm kind of with you, Chip, where we we probably need a guy that's going to develop young players. You know, and, and you make great points though about, you know, he had Kamala Anthony that year that received a vote for MVP. LeBron James would have been the first unanimous MVP if it wasn't for whoever shouldn't voted have, for him. Yeah. Shouldn't have done it. Right. Shouldn't have done it. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, Tyson Chandler, again, was such a big part of the team. Honestly, the guy still could be a big part of the team. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. Um, I don't care how <laughs> old he is. He's just – I have a lot of love for Tyson Chandler. Um, but, you know, all those factors in it, it is a totally different team. So am I intrigued? Yeah, because I like Mike Woodson, but I'm not sure that it's the right fit. I kind of agree with you there. Um, But with that being said, we're going to wrap up this segment. Uh, When we come back, another guy that's coaching or or interviewing for the coaching job tomorrow is Mark Jackson. Again, we're recording Tuesday night, uh, so Wednesday is set for these interviews with Mike Woodson. And then Mark Jackson as well. So when we come back from the short break, we're going to give our thoughts on Mark Jackson. Hello, everybody. Mac is still the co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and contributor to Elite Sports New York. You can follow me at Twitter at MattyDiesel15 to get my latest articles, videos, and podcasts. Make sure to follow Elite Sports New York's Twitter as well at Elite Sports NY and the rest of Elite Sports New York's social media pages to stay up to date to all the New York sport news. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Nick State of Mind podcast. Now, uh, in that first segment, I was curious about J.R. Smith's numbers in that series. And while we were on break, uh, Chip, you actually looked up those numbers for us. Uh, tell us, what, what did J.R. Smith do in that series? Yeah, great call, Matt. Uh, 13 and a half points in those six games, and uh, he shot 29% from the field. Right. And 23% from three-point range. Brutal. Yep. And that that is the biggest thing that I remember, The why why we didn't make a further run that year. I, I, I think it's because of J.R. Smith. Because, again, he was a 20-point scorer in the regular season. He was such a big part of the team's success. And he did what J.R. Smith always does, something stupid, and just fell apart after that. Wasn't the same. 
Uh, and I, I think that's what really hurt us. You know, I think Indiana was a good team. Not saying that we would have won, but I think it would have been a much better series if J.R. Smith production was there. Uh, because a lot of those games, I know you shared the blowout, but a lot of those games, there were some moments where the Knicks could have pulled ahead. I think J.R. Smith playing like J.R. Smith was that season would have helped us out. So I, I, I give Mike Woodson a little bit of a pass on the way that season ended because so much excitement was because the Knicks played so well and then it was just a disappointing end to how we looked against Indiana Um, but we'll move on from Mike Woodson what we said we'll talk about in this segment is Mark Jackson Mark Jackson a lovable guy everybody loves Mark Jackson hand down man down all that good stuff as a commentator (laughs) all those great calls that he has right all right so now tomorrow, a former Nick going to be interviewing for this uh, the head coaching position. Uh, we we talked a little bit about some of these guys before uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, even last week. But since these guys are now the guys getting the interviews now, kind of pull them out, dig a little bit deeper into uh, what to expect from these guys. So uh, Mark Jackson interviewing Chip. What do you think about Mark Jackson? I know we've talked about it before, uh, but if if he was hired or or would you hire him? Uh, tell us your thoughts about Mark Jackson. Yeah, former Nick, born in Brooklyn, high school star in Brooklyn, college star at St. John's. He is New York basketball, Mark Jackson. Everything from the start of his career and I, he came back to the Knicks, start, was drafted by the Knicks, and came back towards the end of his career. So he is a New Yorker. Um, but as far as hiring him, I think that's part of the reason why they shouldn't. Okay. Uh, I think that he, uh, again, uh, look, we talked earlier about uh, – developing players he did a good job developing players at golden state that was not his problem uh his problem was that he couldn't get out of his own way when dealing with ownership and management right he feuded he feuded with them constantly and that's what got him fired because it damn sure wasn't basketball he did a damn good job there right and if we bring him on there we bring him on in new york it's only a matter of time before he's fighting with someone because that's what happens in new york exactly and it's dysfunction city. And I think it would be – look, I think when you hire like a legend like that too, there's always a lot of pressure. So every decision he makes is going to be under a microscope. Uh, I I also – I'm worried about him in a rebuilding project. It's totally different. Uh, I think – uh, a different kind of coach, a guy who's maybe like a a Kenny Atkinson type would be better. Uh, not necessarily like an established guy and like a rebuilding project would be better because uh, you don't necessarily want a star guy when you have such a massive rebuilding project you have to go with. But um, look – Mark Jackson is a star, a New York star, and right when you hire him, there's a lot of pressure not just on the organiz- not just on him to perform, but uh, on the organization to perform. 
because the expectation is that you get better because you have Mark Jackson as the head coach. And I'm not sure how good of a head coach Mark Jackson is without Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. So, right. so we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tough call. I, he would not be my first choice. He's not like on Mike Woodson level or anything, but he is certainly not my first choice. Okay. But, uh, yeah, not my first choice, but not the worst option that I've heard by any means. So let me ask you, if he was hired, let's just say the next love him, they hire him. Are you upset about it or you can, you can tolerate it. It's just, you'll have your doubts. Uh, I'll definitely have my doubts. Yeah. Like I just said, I'll have my doubts. Right. Um, and I'll be upset about it and I'll, I'll probably write a, a, well, I'll definitely write an article about (laughs) why I don't, don't approve of it. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd be happier with him than I would be like with Mike Woodson. Okay. Like, like we just talked about. All right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, the, the fact that they're interviewing him and they have no interest at all in Jeff Van Gundy, it infuriates me. The fact that they're interviewing Mark Jackson and Mike Woodson, but they won't talk to Jeff Van Gundy just pisses me off. So there's that. But look, I, that's a whole nother top story that we can get into at another time. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's basically what would happen. Like he's, not the worst option there, but he's certainly not the best, in my opinion. Right, and look, I shared what I felt with Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson, I'm sure if you go back and look on my social media's accounts for you know the last few years, I'm sure you can find something with me saying the Knicks should bring in Mark Jackson. But as time went on, it's not that, again, it's not that I wouldn't take Mark Jackson. It's just kind of like you said, Chip, there's a lot of doubts. I find it a little bit odd, like I said last week, that he had Clay Thompson, uh, Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, and they were not a championship contending team. They were a good team. They were certainly a playoff team, obviously. They weren't an easy out, but they were not. Well, they they didn't start playing Draymond Green until Steve Kerr got there, right? He was playing David Lee. Right, that's right. Yes, that that is right. That's a good point. Uh, and he had two guys though that he played, Stephen Curry yeah. and Clay Thompson. And I always have to hesitate for whatever reason. I keep wanting to say Tristan Thompson, and just, I don't know why. Um, but well, he is kind of in the news right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a whole situation <laughs> going on. Uh, but it blows my mind. It's like every time I go to say Clay Thompson, I have to stop and think about it because I almost say Tristan every single time. Um, <laughs> but with those guys, he he was not at a championship level. Steve Kerr comes in, they're at a championship level. And I always found that odd. I, I love certain aspects of Mark Jackson. I think toughness as a coach I think he would demand that out of his players. One of the things that I constantly say about the Knicks is they're just soft. And how soft they are at times, I don't think Mark Jackson puts up with that. I think I could see Mark Jackson, if you're not playing 110% on the defensive end, you don't play. 
he'll sit anybody. I, I honestly get that kind of feeling from Mark Jackson. Is, is is if you're not max effort, if you're not giving it all, you're not going to play. Your minutes are going to get cut, and I like coaches like that. But one of the issues I have is he never adjusts. As you were talking a little bit about, you know, stubbornness, and you know, he did not have the most efficient offense. The the strength of the Golden State Warriors when he was a coach for them, he did not bring out, and that concerns me. Uh, his kind of adjustments. Now I'm sure one thing I like he's taken a step back, obviously from coaching, back as an analyst. Has he probably learned a little bit from his mistakes in his first head coaching job? Probably. And again, I'm right there with you, Chip, where at this point I would take Mark Jackson over Mike Woodson. But I obviously don't think, and I think the Knicks have already kind of said, or there's sources that said the Knicks are going to take their time with this, which is smart. Uh, they're not going to be in any rush. So don't think any of these guys that interview tomorrow are going to be offered the job right then and there. There's going to be a few more, at least a few more candidates that are going to be brought in and uh, as they do an extensive search to try to find the right guy. But there's there's aspects about Mark Jackson that I do like, but there's also that doubt. There's also that concern. And, you know... I, and as you pointed out, a New York guy, I think he can obviously as a player handle the New York media, the pressure in New York. So I think he'll be fine for all of that. And there's, again, there's just things that make sense, but I can't get past how you had that kind of talented roster in Golden State and they weren't an NBA team. Now, some people will say, oh, they just weren't quite developed. Well, how does one year of Steve Kerr showing up and they become instantly more developed. No, it's because his coaching philosophies got the most out of those players and took them to another level. So, but he opened up the offense. Right, what happened? Right, and man, as much as I love Mark Jackson, because I do, and again, you can go back and you'll find me, quote me, and how I used to say, "Why aren't the Knicks bringing in Mark Jackson?" It just makes no sense to me, blah, 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 blah. Over the years, over the time, I have rethought that. And don't get me wrong, I asked you, Chip, if you would be mad and livid if Mark Jackson was hired. For me, I wouldn't be. I would be concerned. I would have my doubts. I wouldn't say he's going to be like the savior to the Knicks because a lot of fans now, they love Mark Jackson, and because they love Mark Jackson as a fan, they just think it's going to be the greatest thing with him being the head coach, and things don't always work that way. So as happy I would be, because I would like to see him get another head coaching job, I would like to possibly even see him coach this Nick team, there is going to be that concern and that doubt that it might not quite work out. Uh, But we're going to wrap this segment up right here now. We, We talked about the two coaches that we'll be interviewing tomorrow. For the head coaching job. Again, don't expect any of these guys to be offered anything right there. The Knicks are going to take their time. It's probably going to take a few weeks before the Knicks get their coach or announce their coach. Uh, there's going to be guys that are going to be brought in, and we'll have more analysis on as, as that news comes along. This is just the first two guys that we're really 
have been mentioned of interviewing for the head coaching job. So when we come back, we're going to go back to the players. Um, you know, one thing has been discussed. Uh, Enos Kanter is expected to opt out of his contract, but he says he still wants to be a Nick. So we'll talk about that. Should the Knicks bring him back? If they do bring him back, how much? Uh, so we'll get into that in just a moment. Hi, everybody. Matt Castillo here, writer at EliteSports.com and co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Just wanted to take this time to thank the fans and remind listeners to follow our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter at NYKSOM Podcast or on our Facebook page at the Knicks State of Mind Podcast. Come be a part of the discussion. We want to hear from you and talk about the Knicks. Welcome back to the final segment of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. As we mentioned, the first two uh, coaches that are going to be interviewed for the head coaching job or uh, two guys that will be interviewed tomorrow, uh, Phil Jackson and – or not Phil Jackson. Wow, that was bad. Mark Jackson and uh, Mike Woodson. Those guys are going to be brought in tomorrow. And now we'll move over to some of the players. Um, we know some guys are going to opt out. The biggest one is Enos Cantor. He's already said he's more than likely going to opt out of his deal, which he would be making about $18 million, uh, but he wants to remain a Nick. So the big question is, if he's already turning down $18 million, that obviously means that he's going to want more money. He's not going to opt out to take less money. That's just common sense here. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. So my question to you, Chip, is, should the Knicks bring him back? And if you say yes, what number would you bring him back for? That is such a difficult question. And it I would say yes, they should definitely attempt to bring him right. back because yeah. he was so good this year. Right. So good. Led the team in rebounds and field goal percentage, 14.1 points, 11 rebounds, 59% from the field. There's no way they could have ever thought he'd have been this good. Yes, he's terrible defensively, but uh, he was so good on on offense that he led the team in win shares. I think he led the team in PER, too. Yeah, he did lead the team in PER. He was, uh, and by the way, great chemistry with Porzingis. Gets along with him really well off the court, too. Uh, don't underestimate the fact that he got a, has an amazing rapport with the fans and the city and clearly wants to be there long term, just wants to opt out and get some security. But as for your question, uh, if he comes to the Knicks and says, I want a four-year, $80 million contract, then you say – we appreciate everything you did for us this year, but you're going to have to find that from somebody else. Right. Because that's too much for a guy who they needed to sit during fourth quarter runs because he was so bad defensively. But if he is willing to sign like something significantly more reasonable, like in the three year, maybe 12 to $15 million range, something like that, I, I think they could go for that three years, maybe three years, 45, three years, 50, something like that. I think they should consider it. But this is all predicated upon the notion that they could get off Noah's contract, because I don't think they want two centers with big numbers on the books. So if I think 
I would bet a lot of money that if Cantor opts out, he won't be with the Knicks next year. So, yeah, that. But I, I would to answer your question. Yes, I would try and bring him back. But if he wants like a four or five year deal, I think you let him walk. You know, again, it, it, that's the perfect way to answer it because that's what I've been thinking about. Um, once once these report came out that Cantor is looking to opt out, is absolutely I want Cantor back. Uh, we we talked about Cantor all season long on this show. Uh, we talked about everything that he has brought to this team. Uh, a true competitor, a guy that gives you that 110% tough. I mean, played several games hurt and still played at a very high level. And, you know, more of a, the, the LeBron situation as well. You know, not afraid of anybody, wasn't going to back down to anybody. Um, guy really meant a lot to the team this year. And Nick fans loved him right from the start. We love everything about him. A, a, a true leader to this team, especially after Przingis went down with his injury. You know, he was the guy that relied on. I know uh, Michael Beasley also kind of picked up his play and performed pretty well this season. Uh, but I, I think the heart and soul of the team this year was, was Enos Cantor. He was such a such a big part of the Knicks organization this past season, and, and enough can't be said about the role that he played for them this year. But when you opt out, when you can get $18 million, that's already a lot for a so You're going to get $18 million to play. Uh, it makes me wonder what number he's thinking. We already bought in way too much to Tim Hardaway Jr. We're not going to get started on that again because me and Chip could talk about that all night and why, oh, God, why our head hurts do, still. No. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't exactly. even want to talk. We're going to pretend like that contract doesn't even exist. Okay, <laughs> That's what we're going to do from now on. Uh, it, it makes me think, how much is Cantor going to want? What's the number that he's looking for? Is it a couple more million to that? You know, to me, I'm not paying him like $25 million a year. That ain't going to happen. Uh, if he's at 18 and he wants to go no one a little is. bit. No one's giving him Nobody, that. yeah. I, I can understand maybe two more million, $20 million per year. I mean, yeah, that's still a pretty good amount. Anything but after you that. Look at, you look at the centers, though, like in the league, look at what's going on with the Miami Heat right now. Hassan Whiteside can't even get in the game. Right. They're benching him during the series. Centers aren't even being used. And you're going to give a center $20 million a year? I don't think he's going to get the kind of money he's hoping he gets. But, hey, look, we'll see. I think it's going to be a very interesting negotiation with Cantor if he does decide to opt out. And, And another thing is he's so bad defensively. Exactly. Exactly. When you're that bad defensively, look. If you want a little bit of a raise, I could see the Knicks bumping him up a couple of millions, like nineteen, twenty million. That's about it. I'm not going up much further than that. You don't play defense. You do mean a lot to the team. Yes, you have that. Uh, you you played such a big role this past season. But that's an excellent point, Chip. That centers aren't used as much anymore. Tristan Thompson's making eighty four million dollars and doesn't touch the floor. I know he has a lot of off the court issues. Um, you know, with his whole his love life and all whatnot, uh, but it's it's 
a game that's no longer really needing a true big man. You need a guy to stretch the floor. Make shots. Yeah. yeah. And Cantor has a mid-range shot. You know, it's not the smoothest. It's not the greatest, but he can hit that. Um, but the liability on defense is how much money you think you're going to get. And I think for the Knicks, it might actually be the best thing for him to opt out and do and try the market. I highly doubt a team is going to pay more than $20 million a year for him. I, I just don't see it happening. I could see three years, $50, 60000000 million, kind of like what you said, Chip, a deal for him. And I think that's the market for him. And that's still pretty high. Uh, I, again, for a guy that's really uh, plays hard, is a guy that can get you about 14 to 18 a game, 7 to 10 rebounds a game, but that's really it. You're not getting block shots. You're not getting a guy that's going to shut down the other big man. Uh, you can't give somebody like, what, $25 million per year? You know, $80 million range? I mean, even like Tristan Thompson money, that $84 million contract that he has, there's no way you give Cantor that because I also think that plays a role into it. A guy like Tristan Thompson, and I get it, Cantor is much better offensively than Tristan Thompson is. Uh, Thompson, obviously a better defender, probably a better rebounder as well. Tristan Thompson's an excellent rebounder, but he's making $84 million. Look how that deal's working. That guy can't get minutes, can't touch the floor. Uh, Well, he's making $84 million because he's buddies with LeBron James. Right. Yeah, and that's a great point as well. Same thing as J.R. Smith making a lot of money for his production really not to be there. Uh, you know, and Tristan Thompson literally played like the final two minutes of that first uh, game of the playoffs against Indiana the other night. So it's that's I think that can help the Knicks there. A guy like that is making eighty four million dollars, doesn't even touch the floor. Nobody's willing to pay for it. That contract looks to be so bad for him. So it, there's no way Cantor is going to get anything higher than about twenty million. And I still think he'll be around the money that he would have gotten. Uh, so I, I think it's a good chance that he is back with the Knicks because I just don't think the market is necessarily there. Unless if it's one of these teams that are just totally desperate and throw him $22 million to get a guy that could put the ball in the hoop. Uh, I don't get the feeling that Cantor is a guy that necessarily cares if he's playing for a contender. Obviously, if he's saying that he still wants to be a Nick, you know, he would have to take far less money than what he's getting. Uh, if he goes to a team that's actually competing for a championship. So I think it's more about money for him. He wants to, as you mentioned, have more security. I think $18 million was good enough. But he looked at his season, felt like he played a big role, deserves a little bit more, and perhaps he does, just a little bit, not more than, like I said, $20 million. And that's basically all I have on it. I, I want Cantor back. Absolutely, uh, again, I uh, just... Spent the first two minutes of uh, my thoughts on this, talk, praising him, uh, the big role that he played for this team. He was such a big part. And I want him back, but I'm not going to keep overpaying for guys when the production um, doesn't quite match what, the, what they're getting. Yeah, we'll get offense. Yeah, we'll get rebounds. But again, that defensive presence is not there. If he was more of a solid rebounder, he could make that kind of money. Or excuse me, more of a solid defender. He can make that kind of money. I think he has all the talent in the world, but he's just not there because that's such a weak part of his game. Uh, so 
that's kind of where I'll leave it at, Chip. Do you got any more thoughts on this this Cantor situation? I don't think so. I think you said it all there. I think we've said pretty much everything needs to be said about Cantor. Uh, we hope he comes back, but uh, I think I, at the right price is better Absolutely. is the best way to describe it. Yep. So. Yeah, so that's where we'll leave it at. We'll wrap up the show, and um, we'll be back next week. I'm sure we'll have more coaching news, uh, coaching updates. As The Knicks are going to take a few weeks at it. Uh, there's maybe something that we did last year on our first episode. Uh, we did the keep them and trash them. That's a possibility. We might might be able to do that again next week where we go through the roster and keep and trash uh, coaches and that are still there perhaps and the players that – um, that are still left over as well. So that's something that we can do next week. Um, so with that being said, hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Next State of Mind podcast.